You're listening to the sermon podcast of Mountain View Church. Whether you're here catching up on last week's message or digging through a past series, we're so grateful you've tuned in today. Our prayer is the next 30 to 40 minutes helps you become a more whole follower of Jesus. If you're local and would like to join us, we'd love to see you this Sunday. For those who can't make it in person, services are also streamed on Facebook and YouTube. All the information about service times, what we have for kids, and much more can be found on our website, almsville.church. Now, let's open our hearts and minds to today's message. Well, good icy morning. Uh, Normally, I would say welcome to those of you in the room and those of you watching online, but we're all online together today. Um, And I'll be honest, I was was not happy about that. I I was quite quite frustrated. You know, if you were with us in person last Sunday, you experienced this firsthand, but we kicked off our 21 days of prayer and fasting with just like this incredible amount of of energy and and hunger. Um, We had 366 people join us for worship in two services last Sunday. Uh, Over 200 of those were just at the 10 o'clock hour. So if you were at the 10 o'clock, you really know what I'm talking about. And so I was, you know, I was just so excited about uh, the start of this thing and and just eager to see what would God would do next. And um, today was going to be a huge sign-up day for life groups and Rooted and Women's Retreat and just like all kinds of stuff. And then wham, <laughs> right? Here comes the ice storm of 2024, hopefully the only one. Um, but you know, one of the things I mentioned last week in the message on fasting is that that one of the benefits of fasting is preparation, Right, that uh, you know, we don't always know what's coming next or what's around the bend, and fasting is one of the ways that we prepare ourselves for what we don't know is coming, whether whether good or bad. Right, uh, you know, just like Jesus did in the desert during his forty days um, before he started his public ministry. What was he doing? He was fasting. He was he was praying to prepare for what God had called him to do. Um, so, <laughs> what were we doing this week? It was the first week of our fast, right? It was the first seven days of our of our prayer and fasting. Um, so, you know, God knew, right? He knew. He's never caught off guard. God is never surprised. Um, so I'm believing that God is going to continue to work and that he's got amazing things in store for these next two weeks, the last two weeks of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, right? The church is still marching on and the gates of hell will not prevail, uh, as his word says. So um, how did week one go? I hope that I hope that it was fulfilling for you. I hope you figured out your time and your place where you're going to get alone with God, and uh, whether you're using our prayer guide or, or or another kind of devotional reading that you're doing that daily. And um, I'm already hearing really inspiring stories of what people are fasting from and uh, how God is using that, right? How He's bringing clarity. He's He's breaking chains of, of addiction and. Uh, um, and craving, and it's just, it's been awesome. So if you haven't figured out your fast or you want to know more about fasting, go back to last week's video, probably just scroll a little bit after this one's done, and you can find out more about that. And I wanted to apologize because with that incredible attendance last week, I should have had more faith and printed more of these, but we completely ran out of the prayer guides. Uh, So we have more of those. Unfortunately, you're not in the building to get it today, Uh, but if you need one after the ice thaw, stop by the office and, and come get those. Um, they are available on our website, omsville.church slash resources. You can find a PDF there of not only the adult, but also the kid's guide because, well, 
I'm a parent, and those get lost. Uh, even if your kid brought one home, you may not know where it is right now. So uh, feel free to download that as well. So uh, last week we talked about why and how do we fast. And today and next Sunday, I want to talk a little bit about why and how do we pray. Right? So 21 days of prayer and fasting. And you know, regardless of how you felt this first week went, I mean, I hope it was awesome for you, but you know, whether you felt like your prayer life was on fire and you just couldn't, you know, wait to get into it, um, or maybe, you know, maybe you're someone who goes, man, that was a real struggle. And I'm, I'm just not even sure about how to do this. And I just felt awkward and I, I missed a few days or whatever it is. I want you to understand something because I take a lot of solace from the fact that the disciples struggled to find their groove in prayer. Um, prayer was not something that they figured out very quickly. In fact, they, they were kind of lousy at prayer. Um, in, in Luke chapter 9, get this, Jesus is praying, and the disciples get to watch Jesus pray. Okay, can you imagine that? Can you imagine getting a front row seat to listen in and watch the prayer life of Jesus? Like, that had to be incredible. So in Luke 9, uh, verse 28, and if you're in the Bible app, remember you can click on events if you're not watching this on your phone, I guess, and follow along. But in Luke 9, verse 28, it says, Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. Right? Like, I don't know about you, but that's never happened when I prayed, right? I mean, this is an incredible moment, and I'm guessing Jesus prayed differently. I'm guessing when Jesus prayed, people took notice that he prayed with an intimacy and an authority that they hadn't heard before. That's certainly how people reacted when he taught, right? They'd say, wow, this guy can teach like nothing else. Even our, even our religious leaders don't teach like this guy. I think Jesus' prayer life was like that, which is why two chapters later, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, can you teach us to pray? We want to learn from you. Can you show us how to pray like you pray? And Jesus' response is what we call the Lord's Prayer. Right? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want you to imagine that. Imagine being taught to pray by Jesus himself. Right. I, I was thinking about that this week, and I thought, you know, no matter how I feel about this, this sermon is kind of a letdown because <laughs> I wish Jesus could teach us how to pray. Man, that would be amazing. But for three years, the disciples were taught by Jesus how to pray. They, they got a front row seat to the prayer life of Jesus for three years. They got taught by the master of prayer himself. And yet, when Jesus needed them to pray, they couldn't do it. They struggled. All right, listen to this. This is in Mark chapter 11, verse 32. It says, They went to the olive garden called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little farther and fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass by. Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, 
not mine. Then he returned, listen to this, then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know what to say. Now, look, I don't want to be too hard on these guys, but come on. Are you like, are you kidding me? Jesus is about to die for you and you can't even stay awake long enough to pray for him. Right? This is not a good look. They are ashamed. They just, they, it says they don't know what to say when Jesus calls them out for their inability to stay awake and pray. Um, I, I think this just goes to show us that prayer is not something that, that we get naturally good at, right? Some people, you, you hear them pray and you just think, oh, I bet they were born to pray. You know, I bet they just always have been that good at prayer. But I bet you if you ask them, um, they would say, no, no, I had to learn how to pray. Right? This isn't something that comes naturally to us. And so if this first week of the 21 days has been a struggle for you, first off, you're in good company. It was a struggle for the disciples. Uh, but second of all, maybe just say, I don't, I don't really know how. You know, no one's ever taught me how to pray. Uh, I want to do for you what Jesus did for his disciples. Right? I want to give you a model that might jumpstart your journey with prayer because it really is a journey. It really is. It really is a journey. And the best way to learn how to pray is to pray. I know that sounds kind of cliche, but the best way to pray is to pray. That's how. That's how. See all way you're going to learn. Um, when you think about it, though, like that's true of most things, right? Like if you wanted to get good at swimming, um, you could read books about swimming. You could watch hours on YouTube. You can go to a swim meet and watch other people who are really good at swimming. But at some point, if you want to learn how to swim, you got to get in the pool, right? You got to get in the water and learn the strokes and, and figure out how to do it, right? It takes practice. It's the same with prayer. I know some, we might think, well, that's not very spiritual, but it's a spiritual discipline. That's the word, discipline, for a reason, right? You can listen to all the sermons in the world. You can read the books. You can listen to this message. You, you can listen to any messages, whatever. It, it certainly helps, right, to learn about prayer. It certainly helps to get around other people who know how to pray and, and learn from them and catch on with them. But I'm telling you, the best way to learn how to pray is to simply pray, right? to, to Take the reps to do the practice. So I want to give you a model. Um, It's not as good as Jesus's model, right? I know that. If you want, just use his. Uh, But I first heard Jason Berry from 12th Center Church uh, open this up, and it's been super helpful for me, and I think it might be helpful for you. So the first move in prayer is to pray up, right? To pray up. Um, This is where I, you know, just I spend some time acknowledging who it is I'm talking to when I pray. And and that naturally leads to praise because when I think about who God is, when I think about what God has done for me, um, it's not very long before worship just starts busting out of my pores. I just can't help it. I have to just praise him for who he is and what he's done. So this is why in your 21 days of prayer guide, each each, uh, entry starts with a scripture because scripture is also the best tool we have to show us who God is. Right? It reveals God's nature and his activities to us. Um, 
Let me give you an example. This is one of my favorite examples from scripture. This is David uh, and people are being so generous and building the temple. And he just like busts out in this prayer of praise in First Chronicles chapter 29. He says, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, who is from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are as exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. Right? That's just like the first part of of his prayer. He, he's just pouring out his praise. And it's not then, uh, you know, surprising that when you read his Psalms, um, a lot of them are packed with praise. In fact, that might be a, a practice for you is before you pray, go and read one of his prayers, go and read a Psalm and just figure out, wow, what's he saying about God? And what is that doing in my, in my heart? Um, I know some other people really enjoy listening to music to kind of just prep their heart and their mind for prayer, particularly music that exalts God and, and raises their eyes to the heavens, right? And reminds them of who God is. Um, with our kids, I've shared this before, but sometimes we'll go on prayer walks around the neighborhood and we have these little prompts. And for this one, with our kids, we will lead with this prompt of God, you are blank, right? God, you are amazing. Uh, God, you are holy, you are loving, you, you are everywhere, you are so kind, right? God, you are blank, right? So the first move is we pray up, we, we praise. The second move in prayer is we pray in. Um, this is where after I've acknowledged who I'm speaking to in prayer, I acknowledge who I am in comparison, so maybe one way to think of this is after I look up to God, I invite God to look in to me. Maybe there's something I've said or done and the Holy Spirit brings that to my mind and I need to confess that. I've grieved God's spirit when I did that thing or I said that word and I need to ask him for his forgiveness. Uh, or maybe not, you know? Sometimes you pray and nothing comes to you like that. But I still, I want to invite God's spirit to examine my heart and show me anything that I might need to confess and, and to be cleansed of. Um, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Again, this is David talking. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a dangerous prayer, right? See if there's anything in me. God, search me. Search my heart. Search my spirit. Search my anxiety and my anxious thoughts. Um, when I read that, I kind of picture my life like a house. Okay? Just stay with me for a second. Uh, at some point, it, it's like I invite God over, you know, to hang out. And, and he comes in and he knocks, or, you know, first he knocks on the door. And, and then I invite him in and he comes in and he makes himself comfortable and I make him a cup of coffee and we sit and we just chat and, you know, about whatever, you know, weather, sports, politics, probably not politics, actually. No, that's probably not what we talk about. Uh, but, you know, that's how I picture it. And it's so nice, you know, it's nice having God over to the house and, you know, 
I walk away though. I go into the kitchen, you know, to get him a refill. And I come back in the living room and, and God is busy rearranging all of the furniture. He's moving stuff around. And then I see him look into the closet where I've shoved all the junk that I was trying to hide before he came over. And he looks under the bed and, you know, he's just flipping like the whole house inside out. That's this prayer. God, will you search me? I give you permission to look inside out, to, to, to flip my whole life by your spirit and show me what you find. I search my heart. Search my heart. Everybody else sees my behaviors and my actions. God, you see into the heart. You see my motives. God, search my anxious thoughts. Because sometimes I, I may seem like I have it all together, but God, you know the things that keep me up at night. You know how worried I am about this or that. You know the fears that run my life. God, search every part of me. And if there's anything in here that's not pleasing to you. That is not the best that you have for me. I want, I want to see it too so that I can confess it, right? Because that's the thing. Once I see it, then I confess it. And I, I confess it because I know that God loves me and that he desires the best for me and that he has the power to not only forgive but to change me. First John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Man, that's good news, right? That's good news. That This is why I don't have to be afraid of this prayer because, you know, I mean, let's be real. It's a little scary to invite the almighty God of the universe to, to search us, to, to do a deep clean in our life. But I'm not afraid to do that. You know, I can be quick to confess because I know that God loves me and I know that he wants the best for me. I know that he's eager to forgive and to cleanse me. So the trigger phrase for this, right? On that first one, we said, God, you are. Um, the trigger phrase for this prayer is God, I'm sorry for. Right? God, I'm sorry for. First we pray up, right? We praise God, you are. Then we pray in, we confess God, I'm sorry for. And then the third move in prayer as we pray around. Um, after I've acknowledged who I'm talking to and who I am in relation to God, I then have time to acknowledge the needs that I have in my life and the needs that so many other people have around me. Now, you don't need to be bashful with this, right? Because God knows you have needs. Everybody has needs. Everybody has pressures and hardships and God knows it, right? He knows that you have needs. He invites you to bring your needs to him. You can be bold about that. We're, we're gonna talk more about that next Sunday. Back to 1 John, okay? This time is chapter five, verse 14 and 15. The word says this is the confidence we have in approaching God, okay? Here's our confidence. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Now, we have to be careful with this because obviously the, the key phrase um, in that whole passage is according to his will, right? So just because we ask God for something doesn't mean that he's obligated to give it to us. Um, and I'll be honest, that's frustrating, right? It's frustrating when we don't get what we've asked for. In fact, I think that's one of the biggest reasons a lot of us don't pray more than we do. 
because we used to pray or we, you know, we prayed a lot about something and we didn't get what we wanted. The prayer might have been answered, but it wasn't answered the way that we wanted it to be. And that's created this wall between us and God. That's, that's clouded our view of prayer. Um, this could be a whole message in itself, uh, you know, talking through why prayers don't get answered and what do we do with that disappointment. Um, actually, maybe not. Maybe it would actually be a really short message because I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know why God chooses to heal some people and not others. I've experienced that in my life. Um, I, I don't know why when the wildfires came through our area, some people's houses were, were untouched and others were, you know, lost everything. Uh, I wish I did. I wish I, I wish I had an easy answer to that question. I think scripture does give us a few reasons why some prayers are not answered. Um, but it doesn't really make me feel any better. Right? And if I gave you those answers, you wouldn't go, oh, okay, that's fine. Like it doesn't change our experience and our frustration and our hurt at those prayers. But what I find the most intriguing is that Jesus experienced this. Did you know that? That the master teacher, this guru of prayer, the second person of the Holy Trinity prayed for things he didn't get. Like, one time he went away and he spent an entire night with God seemingly to, to kind of discern who it was that he should call to be his disciples. It was a big decision early on in his ministry. And after that night, he, he closed up the prayer and he, he went out and recruited and chose the 12 disciples, one of whom was named Judas. <laughs> like now, was that God's will? Yeah, of course it was. It absolutely was Judas or God's will that Judas would be one of the disciples. When you get to the end of the story, Jesus doesn't seem surprised at his actions. Um, you know, this was this was part of God's plan. But it wasn't the answer to prayer that most of us would expect, right? In fact, there's so many times in the Gospels where Jesus is just totally exhausted by these 12 answers to prayer. You know what I mean? Like, guys, you can't even pray for a minute while I'm trying, you know, I'm about to die for you. I mean, there's just so many times where the disciples are just struggling. But think about this time. Jesus is in the upper room. He's enjoying uh, what we call the Last Supper with those same disciples. And here's what he asks God for. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Okay, that's us. That's you and me if you're watching this today. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. So get this, what does Jesus ask for? What does he pray for? That his disciples, not just the original ones, but all of us that, that believe would be completely unified, right? That we would be just as unified with one another as he is with his heavenly father. How's that going? I'm not trying to be heretical here. Please don't misunderstand. But it seems like the outcome of that prayer request 
is still to be determined. I wonder, as I was reading that this week, I wonder, is Jesus still praying for this? Is he still asking the Father to unify us? Just Because that's what he told us to do, right? To keep praying and to never give up, to be persistent. I mean, maybe that's the whole point, right? Maybe that's the lesson in that prayer, that if Jesus had to be persistent in prayer, then how much more do we? Of course, Jesus also knew that whatever was the Father's will was what was best. And so he boldly asks and he, he had requests, but he never presumed the answer. Right? In that same garden of Gethsemane is where he prayed, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please, please, God, if you really please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet not what I will but your will be done. So we follow his example. We ask and we ask boldly and clearly, but we don't presume the answer. We don't presume the answer. We believe that when we don't get our way, it's because God's way is better. So when we pray, we start with praise, right? We pray up, God, you are blank. And then we pray in, Right, we confess, God, I'm sorry for. And then we end with our requests. And a good little phrase for that is, God, will you blank? Right, God, will you blank? I need you. I need you to move. God, will you do this for me? Will you do this for my family? Will you do this for my neighbor? But I trust you. I trust that what you want is what I want because that's, that's better. Right? What I want is what you want because that, that is where satisfaction and that is where life is found, is in your will. So may your will be done. It's not a cop-out, right? It's not letting God off the hook. It's surrendering our wants and desires to him. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am for these next two weeks. We're, we're only seven days in. And like I said, I'm already hearing stories of people seeing breakthrough in their life with their fasting and their prayers and, um, you know, seeing uh, clarity and big decisions, seeing people getting free from addiction and dependency. And I like, I'm not trying to just blow smoke. Like I, I truly believe that we as a church are on a breakthrough. I, part of me wonders that that's why this is happening this week. Like Satan's trying to slow us down, but it's not going to work. It's not going to work because God is on the move and he's going to do what he wants to do if we say surrender to him. But if there's one quote that captures um, what I've been sensing God wanting to do in my own heart during this 21 days of prayer, um, and, and honestly, it's what I've been asking God to do in your life and to show you. It's a quote from Pete, uh, Pete Gregg. He is the co-founder of the 24-7 prayer movement. And here, here's what he says. Listen to this. A prayer room is first and foremost a living room, a place where the father waits for his children to come and climb into his arms. I love that. Right? Whether you are a veteran at prayer and feel like you've got a pretty good handle on all this or whether you're completely new and you're not quite sure what you're supposed to do or even why you should pray, I'm asking God to help you experience what I just read. That the God of the universe is also your daddy. And he's better than any 
earthly example of the dad that you've ever experienced. He is your perfectly loving and holy and all-wise heavenly father who invites you. In fact, he welcomes you into his presence and he is as eager to hear from you as you are in need of him. Over these 21 days, will you just climb into his lap and stay in his arms? Will you just lean in? Father, thank you. Thank you for inviting us into your living room of prayer. It's an incredible privilege to think that when I say anything, you hear me, that you would care to listen, and that you respond in ways that that we can't even see sometimes. I believe you're doing that even now. I believe there's someone watching this video who probably wasn't gonna go to church today, maybe never goes to church, but because they're at home and there's an ice storm and someone shares, they're watching this and you're speaking to them today and you're moving in their life and you're inviting them to climb up onto your lap and to just be with you and to experience your love and to know you as their loving heavenly father. God, would you move? Would you break chains? Would you, would you strengthen us as we fast? Would you keep us from temptation? We, we want to just experience your power in a fresh way in our lives and, and in our church. We believe that you will. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, we'll see you back in the building hopefully next week. See you there.